It really comes down to the person and the ability to recognize, is this something that I am more productive doing or do I need to go into an office? You know, I love those catchy phrases that business leaders like to say It's well, you know, you know, as long as your results are there, right? But how many companies are actually defining what that means? It's so important for remote employees to have the support from their colleagues and from their managers that reach out to them, but also to reach out back. Because it's easy to get lost in the shuffle when you're not there. Most people think of anybody that gets to work remote has this privileged, easier version of the day job. But it's absolutely just not the case. Strong companies, lasting partnerships, Powerful events. Welcome to the Experience Builders Podcast. Chris, how are you this afternoon? Hey, it's good to see you, Khalil. I'm doing great. Doing great. Good to see you too. What's been going on in your world? Um, you know, we're we're sort of coming to the end of the first half of the year. Um, just had the Infocom show here in Orlando. We coupled that with our, our mid-year leadership meeting. Um, there's always a lull somewhere in the summer, uh, July, August, in the business event space. Um, we never know if that's going to be, um, you know, five or six weeks or if it's going to be, you know, 12 or 15 weeks. We pray for the shorter, um, but we're grateful for the time to, to pause. So we're, we're, we're coming up on that and looking forward to it little more time to reflect and, and do second, uh, second half planning. So. Yeah, for sure. Always good to get a little bit of a break, maybe spend some time with the family, but the Who? break's too long. Family? <laughs> Who? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If the break's too long, sometimes you can get a little agitated too. So it's uh, hopefully not too long there, but I'm excited. We've got a guest on today and I want to hear how you met Noel. Well, I, I am, first of all, I have been chasing doing this episode with Noel for about six months. She doesn't necessarily know that, but, um, you know, the issue of remote working is just, it's such a current hot topic. It's, and I think most of us that have survived pandemic realize this isn't a fad in an occasional thing. It's become really a movement and it's a, there's a reality to just, um, we're never going back to everybody is in the office all the time. So there's always been some jobs, particularly traveling sales or, or account management that have been able to work that way. But um, it's just a much bigger part of a company, a company's culture these days. So um, Noel and I know each other. Obviously, we're both in the trade show and business event space. Um, I remember when I met, we met. Do you, Noel, do you remember? Oh, yeah. So we were, we, were at, we were at one of the EDPA Experiential Designer Producer Association annual meeting called Access. And um, so one thing I've become connected with at, uh, during that is something that is referred to as a safety meeting. And a safety meeting is just something that was a reason for, if there's a safety meeting over outside by the, the fire pits at a conference like this, well, that's a reason to have a cigar and, you know, sip uh, an adult beverage. And, uh, so I, it was it was end of long day. I think there was a dinner or maybe there's a gala, but it's got to be around midnight. And I'm sitting with, you know, a lot of the, you know, five or six of the who's who 
OGs, uh, guys, that from all over the world, um, and we're having our cigar. And this, you know, no fear, stunning young lady walks up and just crashes the, the, the old guy's safety meeting and uh, introduced herself to all of us. And we're like, who is this girl? And, um, you know, surprisingly knew, knew a lot of the people that we all knew. There's a lot of the, you know, who do you know? How long have you been here? All right. She's got her some bona fides. But anyway, it was a, it was a great introduction. Um, we became fast friends. And not only um, was she clearly a, a future leader, which is a, an organization that's now a formal organization, EDPA, um, she, Noel just absolutely dove into the volunteer work that EDPA was doing, which very quickly we moved into the world of advocacy when the pandemic hit and advocating for, uh, you know, for the resources for our industry to, to keep a pulse going through it. And Noel was right there with us uh, in the middle of all that. Started an ED, helped start an EDPA Texas chapter. She's currently now the president of that Texas chapter. Um, she she really has become a leader, um, not just a future leader, but was one of my, you know, if I could count on on two hands the people that were shoulder to shoulder with me as we were working Capitol Hill for two years. Um, Noel was one of the people just grinding it out with uh, guys like me and. Matthew Little and Rob Cohen and a lot of other names that uh, are too many to list. But um, yeah, when you've when you've served time in a foxhole with somebody, you have a bond and a connection, don't you, Noel? Yeah, absolutely. Right? I couldn't really say it. I'm over here laughing, but also getting very flattered. Um, I mean, you really kind of set that example, so I was just happy to be a part of it. Well, so she, Noel's a, obviously a she's a super high achiever. Um, works with one of the tier one. Uh, event management companies in our industry um, always has had much like my company crew XP, which most people know about um, it's, it's really in service in labor and other support services uh, to exhibit houses. Um, they've got a few um, fortune 1000 customers that insist on working directly with them. They're a, they're a way bigger company than my company is. Um, and it's really on the backs of, people like noel so um they do general contracting for trade shows and and private events and and um you know they do exhibit build work for their partners they've got an enormous division that does audio visual they they do retail and permanent installation work so they they're the depth and breadth of their offerings way better than ours but uh no noel's star has just been on the rise so uh that said um i i thought she'd be the perfect person not only does she she flew in in what we all do um, but she's one of those people I would hold up as an example that really is succeeding working remotely. And I thought we could get her to talk a little bit about the good, bad and, and ugly parts of that. Then, um, this will be a great conversation. So that said, Noel, welcome to Experience Builders. Thank you guys for having me. I'm very, very flattered and honored to be a part of this. So thank yeah. You. What an introduction, Chris. I love it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Can I just get that clip and use that for. That's. That was the purpose of this. Yeah. No, uh, we're so glad to have you on, Noel, and excited to learn more about you. I'd love to hear just a bit about your background. How did you become this fearless leader uh, that's rising in this industry? Oh, man. Um, I mean, I think it probably goes back to that day that I met Chris. Um, I've kind of always had this nature about myself that if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Um, and I 
really, when I had started with, with my company with Woolwork, um, I really wanted to make it a career. I, I was 26 at the time. I kind of bounced between different positions and hadn't found, I had found jobs. I really wanted a career. And so when I dove in, I, when I went to EDPA access for the first time, I, I was actually just, I only did account management. I never kind of did any sales or anything like that. And my company saw that in me and said, just go to this event. Just, just go and meet people. I said, okay, it's this nice, fancy event though. I was like, no, this is great. And when I got there, I noticed during, you know, throughout the last couple of days, but especially when Chris was sort of having that safety meeting, I said, you know, I really want people, I want to make a name for myself in this industry. And that's kind of what I did when I went up to, you know, Chris and that group. I, I remember I was talking to a colleague of mine and I said, I want to make sure they know who I am uh, before we leave. And I don't know, that's kind of just the the mentality that I've had. And and I feel very lucky that EDPA and, you know, other organizations and and different outlets that I've just been able to kind of like pour into. Um, and I feel really fulfilled on that. I think to me that what kind of that's what makes a career, it's not just the day-to-day job duties and whatnot. So I, I really kind of just wanted to dive into it and have been kind of holding that ever since and just keep going further. That's great. Yeah. It's uh it's always hard finding your your feet in work after college, all that stuff, but it does sound like you found your spot and you're you're climbing uh the mountain and doing well so far. And you've got people like Chris on your side. So that's that's wonderful. Yeah. So uh, you know, right from the get-go, have you, you, you're in Colorado now, you were in Texas. Tell us about the remote aspect of your work. Uh, why are you moving so much? Yeah, so I lived in Texas my whole life. Um, okay. And when I first started with Woolwork, I was in Austin. I've lived in Austin for a while. And I, I loved that. Uh, when I first started, my predecessor had hired me. It was just her and I. And it was a very different experience. I had come from very corporate um, very, you know, big office and startup culture and all of that. And it was just her and I, which was a different change of pace that I really actually looked forward to. And my predecessor actually ended up leaving three weeks after I was hired. And <laughs> I was in this office by myself. I didn't know anything about the industry. And, you know, I just kind of kept with it. But it was a, it was such a stark change overnight. I remember they told me on a Friday um, that she was leaving and I was like, oh, okay, I'll have a couple of weeks. And they're like, no, Monday, like it's you. And so I really kind of just said, okay, you know, here we go. Let's try it out. And kind of ever since then for the next year and a half, I just worked what felt like remote. I had an office, but I was by myself. And kind of just started my career that way. Um, unfortunately, when the pandemic happened, we did end up shutting down our office in Austin at the time. And um, it ended up making perfect sense for me personally. I really need, felt like I needed a change of scenery. Um, I felt like I needed some different experiences. And I mean, I, I say it lightly, but one of the silver linings from the pandemic is it actually you know, enabled me to move. Um, one of my biggest clients was in Austin, so I never thought I'd have the opportunity and um, my company was very gracious and very supportive. And I've been able to just kind of keep grinding, but just in a different city. So it's, it's a different change, but it's kind of all I've really known for a long time. So it's, I, it's become my norm. And I, sometimes I wish I, you know, your grass is always greener. I teeter, teeter back and forth, but you know, it, it is, it's what I've made work and just kind of what I, what I've run with. Was yeah. it a, was it a, was it a fearful time 
during pandemic? I mean, you're out of the communication loop and I, you know, is it, oh my gosh, am I going to be the next one to go? Did they, they don't see me every day. Are they not going to value keeping me? Was any of that going through your mind as you were surviving that? Sheer panic too. Every time my phone would ring and I saw it was someone from my company, I was scared it was going to be the call. Um, You know, I worked, I think I worked 80 hour weeks during the pandemic, just doing whatever I could for that feeling of, um, you know, I had a lot of guilt um, that I, I, I was lucky. I, I was still employed and, you know, but like 85% of my company wasn't. And I had this big guilt of, well, why, why did I get to stay? But it was also coupled with this really thankfulness. And so it was a very weird time, very mixed emotions. Um, a lot of roller coasters of ups and downs, but I was working 80 hour weeks, just trying to show that I was doing something. And that time was difficult for, I mean, I can, I can feel it in my, my body right now, like kind of going back to that, like my, my hands are shaking, literally. It's like, it was a different time and it was really intense. Was it, was it you and I that were having a conversation? Maybe we were with a group of people. I thought it might've been you. I remember the confession of I'm, I'm afraid to turn my phone bill, my monthly phone bill, which the company was covering, turn the expense in because we Mm -hmm. just, you just didn't want that to be the thing. That was the catalyst for going, yeah, let's, you know, let's make this expense go away, which it really was for those that are newer to the industry that didn't live through that as a, you know, as, as, a, as an industry member that where, where we were shut down for 16 months. It literally was, I, I'm actually feeling those same feelings that you're it, reacquainting like, with, but I was, it's it was dramatic. Horrible. Yeah. It, was horrible. it was, it's deep seated and mm. it might sound, you know, you don't like to use those words, you know lightly but it was a it's very you know intense time that we all experienced at different levels and i don't know if there's you know i've tried to put it into words i went through a very big time where i was like who who am i without this career and i know a lot of people i mean it was just a tough time so it's it's exciting now that things are back but i think it really was something that if you were like you said in a foxhole that that was that was yeah. the black hole um that i think mm-hmm. we all really went through and Luckily, we all kind of came out on the other side, but yeah, for sure. I think as you, uh, you know, think back to the pandemic and all those experiences that people went through, I've heard from a lot of business owners, um, even executives of what it was like, but it's been interesting to hear from people maybe at just the employee level of what it was like and to realize that maybe they're taking on some of the same burden that the business owner had in their mind is really interesting to hear, you know. Speaking of the pandemic, it did bring on a lot of remote work opportunities in several industries, uh, really in new capacities and in our industry as well. But I want to go back to talking about remote work and what it looked like before the pandemic and maybe even well before the pandemic. Chris, what was remote like when you were coming into the industry? I know that you've had a little bit of experience and it was high travel, uh, high sales role that you were in, but what was remote work like? back in the day and well traveling by horse and buggy horse and buggy (laughs) Khalil I know where you're going with this and you know what no yes you were yes you were I said I know where you were going no um but you're right as a as a if you had a job um and your job was to go see customers in their cities or in their locations um you know 
the unflattering term way back when was you're a traveling salesman, right? Or you're a, mm -hmm. uh, and now we call them relationship managers or whatever. We, but um, it was get on a plane on a Monday morning and you land early and you got at least one, possibly two appointments on that Monday. And then it was two a days for every day. And, and then it would be a Friday night flight back. You want to be home for the weekend, but it, you, it was expected you were going to see um, at least, you know, seven or eight, uh, a good week was 10 face-to-face uh, -face appointments. Sometimes it was by car. Um, when I started, it was, it was, you know, loaded up my Ford Bronco and I had samples and, you know, we went out and we were still storytellers about why we were a good company to do business with, but it was just, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of the conveniences of technology right on your phone. There's an app for everything now, right? So we can, um, we can retrieve, we can share, we can cast it onto somebody's flat screen. And, but, but, um, but it, by the way, that was an acceptable job. We didn't call it remote. You just, there were, there were some positions that were, it was just okay that they were not in the office every day um, because their job was to go out and travel and see customers. So it didn't really matter, matter where your base camp was. I think the, the huge paradigm shift, Khalil, was when all these other jobs that have always been office-based became in play. And it was first, it's like, we're just trying to keep the company going when an industry was shuttered. So you did what you had to do, whether you were an accounting person or a project manager, or obviously you weren't a shop guy. Um, there's, there was nothing to build. But but then this strange dance of um, what jobs would come back and what didn't. And and people who felt offended by being asked back. And I think, Noel, you're in a position where your job was always, you know, position you're in now, even the several positions you've had, have always been kind of acceptable as a, mm -hmm. as a, a, a valued remote, you know, work from not the, the base camp position. But, um, you know, how, do you know people in your, uh, in your organization now that are either a hybrid in, in occasionally, but really don't want to come back and, um, and maybe that doesn't sit well with some of, management that realizes I can't keep where I missed the special sauce of my culture. And when we don't get together, you know, that's, we just haven't figured out how to duplicate that digitally or remotely. I mean, do you see that in your own company? Yeah. And I think that, I mean, before the pandemic, our owner was very notorious of being in the office. Um, I always, I feel like I kind of am always a little bit of an exception to the rule, just considering that, our office technically was remote and then I was by myself. So I've always really felt remote, but the culture for our company was always in the office, regardless of the position, everyone should be there. And when the pandemic hit, I mean, even, and I can't take credit, our owner says, has said this many, many, many times. He, it showed him that you could work remote and his, he's been one of the people that had a complete 180 viewpoint when we came back. So it is most of the offices are somewhat of a hybrid. Um, some of them, you know, people really need to come in. I think it kind of he's sort of enabled, he's um, encouraged us for whatever works for that person, whether it's coming in a couple of days of the week or coming in every day. If there is an office, they do want you to obviously, you know, come in at some points. But he was, you know, he really kind of took that that experience and, and saw a lot of the pros. But I do know other 
you know, owners or other high up, you know, executives and other organizations that it, it's, you know, as soon as it came back, they wanted to go straight back to the office. And yeah. that really caused a lot of friction between some employees and, and others, you know, especially like you said, Chris, some people that have to be there like shop guys, you can't do your job from home. And so then, you know, the accounting or the account managers who could, it became then a, another point of contention of just how do you work that out? So I haven't really, I feel like my position has always sort of been in flux, but I, for our organization, I think it was a blessing and we've sort of found that happy medium, but there is, you know, myself and, and one of my, my employees from Austin that we ended up bringing back, we frequently talk because we were each other's culture. It was, you know, really mainly just the two of us. And we'll talk all the time and say, man, I miss the days that we were in the office. There is something about that that environment that you can't replicate being remote. So do you think it's a, is there a generational thing about, you know, I, I think about the 62 year old account executive who spent with me for 15 years and the, who doesn't understand why the 28 year old designer gets to work three days a week from home. And yeah. so, you know, I, I know just personally, I'm more comfortable coming to a place and I'm more focused and I do a better job there versus, um, you know, and I've worked from home. I just, for me, there's just distractions everywhere yeah. at, the, at the house. So how do you, how do you, how do you block off? How do you create the discipline to, to not fall victim to those distractions? For, and, and I was thinking about this just because, you know, it is a very important topic on working remote and, it's hard to give an answer for me. I, and the best thing I can think of is it really comes down to the person and the ability to recognize, is this something that I am more productive doing or do I need to go into an office? Like I have a lot of friends that are my age that they say the same thing. They're like, I have to be in the office. I think it's really just the self-awareness of, can you do this? Can you not? And then if you say you can, you know, you have to be able to back that up. And I think it's definitely some sort of in a, a sort of a middle ground of, again, I have to realize what works for me. And I think it maybe if I had never had that opportunity, you know, when my predecessor left, maybe it would be different for me now. But I kind of was not forced into the position of basically being by myself, but I ended up being alone and I chose, you know what, I just am going to figure this out and it doesn't matter how it takes me to get there. And it took me a while to go into, you know, I kind of had like a slow ramp because I had an office to go to. And so I forced myself to go to the office, but I'm still by myself. And then when the office closed, I had already had those habits and that mentality built up. And so for me, I, I, I really think it was kind of like a training program for whatever metaphor, like I ramped up into this. I don't think I was just born able to do this, but there are people who are. Um, I think it comes down to just, can you regulate it? I um, you know, I'll put my phone on do not disturb whenever I'm working on a project, I'll shut my emails so I can focus. I'll do what I need to, or I'll, I'll focus just on emails. I have to limit a lot of distractions. Um, but I've also kind of learned how to cohabitate with it. So I, there's not like a clear answer. I don't think, I think it comes down to each person and how they do it. So I'm listening yeah. to what you're saying and you, you said, see, so you, you know, you just got to be able to back it up. So what does that look like? I mean, is there, does your direct report or does the mothership have a set of criteria? 
because you know there's data on both sides, right? So I was at a, a conference not long ago, and and there was a, a business leader in in London, and he said, we you know he was sharing hard data that shows the average remote worker is productive 3.5 hours a day, and he said, you know, we we heard from our employees, and he said we had we had 900 employees. He said, and people said, you know, we're um, you know, we just we're able to 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 do the job from home. And he said, what we saw was traffic patterns in London. So what was normally rush hour traffic in the morning and it, you know, from five to six o'clock at night, he said that same level of traffic was showing up at eleven thirty-five AM on a Tuesday, and it was showing up and at, at one forty in the afternoon on a Thursday. In a few words, the point he was making was People aren't working remotely in London. They're just remotely. And so they're out doing other things. And so I don't, I, I don't think you can generalize all of that. But I do think, um, how, does, how does a company measure productivity? Yeah. Is, there, is, that, is that a discussion at all at your company? Or Khalil, are you, you're coaching a lot of businesses. Yeah. What, are you, what are you hearing? It's really interesting because obviously, you know, you're in, in accounts and you're an account executive. And I think at the end of the day, your job is very measurable because it directly correlates to revenue. And not every job is necessarily like that and does become harder to manage. But at the same flip side of that story from London, Chris, how productive are people in the office sometimes? Um, it's, it's a really hard thing to measure, but I mean, we've all walked by somebody and you can peek at their screen and be like, oh, well, that's obviously not work. I totally all I you to your point. I had a, I had this debate with a 28-year-old designer and he goes, So you want us to come into the office? I'm I'm working from home, trying to do the work that is, you know, 15 designs in a week. And he said, And you want me to come in where I'm driven to distraction by everybody that has a question. And I said, Well, we just this is how we just we'll feel better about making sure we're being productive. And he goes, he goes, so what makes you think the people in all those offices hiding behind all those screens are being productive all day? And I, I didn't have a reply to that. And I was like, well, thanks. That'll keep me awake for the next few nights. But, it, but, he's, but he's right. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not walking around checking everybody. I can't, you, you know, nobody's got their back to the door. So I don't ever get to walk up and see what's on a screen. Are you on social media? Are you talking to your friend? You know? At the end of the day, you're right. It's it's about if you can directly push that back to revenue, and maybe that's mm -hmm. it. I've always, you know, I love those catchy phrases that business leaders like to say. Is well, you know, you know, as long as your results are there, right? But how many companies are actually defining what that means, what that looks like? So, um, yeah. yeah, in the in the position that Noel's in, um, if you've got you know 50 accounts and 20 of them are your key accounts. I can, you're going to be able to measure whether the incremental business goes up and, oh, by the way, you may be quarterbacking that relationship, but is it really you or is it all the guys in the field that are fulfilling the work for those partners? And, you know, so, yeah, I think, um, so really what is, what is, what, what would you say your core responsibilities are? You're, you're, you're sort of riding herd over however many events that are moving in on any given week in April. And, uh, and I say April because Noel and I know how busy that is, that week, that month is right. And um, sometimes you're problem solver 
troubleshooter, crisis manager. Sometimes you're the advanced person, right? Sometimes you're the site inspector. So, so how do you, what do you, at the end of the day, what are you judged on? Um, so this is an interesting question. I actually recently kind of changed, not positions. My title stayed the same, but I, I asked, I wanted to get into a different field um, in our company. So I'd always focused on the IND side of things, the account management on that. And I noticed last year, and I think this is, again, just part of some self-awareness, I recognized I wasn't super happy with what I was doing. And I went and talked to my um, you know, my bosses and I said, Hey, you know, is there, is there an opportunity for me to do something else? I really am interested in the general contracting side of things. So as of the beginning of this year, I actually transitioned into, um, less of a sales role and more of a operation sort of production role, um, with managing these large shows. And this was the first time that I've really been working remote without another team member learning a new position, learning new things. And, so now kind of, I guess, based on what my criteria is or, or what I'm being judged on, it's more so, you know, I'm now responsible for a show and, mm. and there is, you know, I have support, I have other people, but it really does come down like, and I think the mentality that I have and why I'm able to produce so well remotely is it, it comes down to me. You know, if, if the work doesn't get done, the work doesn't get done. And it's not that it's not going to be easy to show right away, but you can't hide that, you know? And, and, and I just, for me, I take my work very seriously. And so, you know, I, I produce these shows and do they go smooth? Do I have the production schedules? Do I have all the vendors? Do I have the labor calls? Like there's just marginal things that you just can't ignore. Um, so, yeah. and I think, again, I got really lucky with my company. They, I was by myself and I took it very seriously and they saw that. And so, you know, I feel very lucky when they say, you know, you're remote, but we know you're working. And hearing those words as a remote employee also is really important yeah. just to hear, like, I know that you're doing all these things because I think sometimes too, it's like, what if other people in the office are judging me differently? You know, my, my, who I report to, as long as they say, we know you're working, we see what you're doing. We appreciate it. For me, that goes a lot longer of a way than, you know, Hey, here's a you yeah. know, gold star type thing. But <laughs> so for me, that that's kind of, I guess, what I'm what I've sort of been judged on. And and Chris, I do. There was one thing I I was thinking about when you were speaking about talking to the 28 design 28 year old designer, and the productivity going into an office. I I share the exact same thoughts that he you were saying that he was saying. Is I feel like when I go into an office, I. This is just the, let's just break it down, right? So if you're going into an office, I have to wake up at a certain time, get ready to be presentable in an office. I have to then commute into the office, usually in traffic times. Um, and then when I get to the office, then there are people that I can say hello to, or you know, I can sit down and then I have to get into a zone and then I can start. So let's just say that averages out to, I don't know, an hour and a half being light, right? That's an hour and a half in the morning and then let's give it a, 45 minutes to an hour on the end of the day that you have to commute home, decompress, all of that. When I work remote, I wake up immediately and it's a pro and con, but as soon as I wake up, I'm checking my emails. I'm, I go into my kitchen, I make my coffee, I'm checking, you know, what, what projects do I have to follow up on today? And I feel more productive being able to just immediately start without the distractions. I notice when I'm in an office, the, the conversations that happen while they're very important and I might get the answers that I need immediately. Someone's also coming to me and pulling me out of 
a zone. I'm, I'm a person, I have to zone in on what I'm doing to be productive. I have really, really extreme ADHD that I've learned to you know, manage with my career on and I've had to work that around. But for me, I have to zone in. And so I'm much more productive being able to just hop into it and focus on what I need to do. And then I think there's also sort of that mentality of, I, I mean, I always say, if, as long as you get your work done, I don't care what time of the day it was. I didn't care if you showed up at the office at 11, um, you know, while within parameters, there was a quote or not a quote, but I remember in Access, we were talking about this a couple years ago and we were talking about the, the battle between people saying they, they needed to be productive at home or they couldn't or they could. And I can't remember, it was, it was Stephen Ross. It was Stephen Ross said, well, you treat them like adults until they prove otherwise. And I think that's just one of the easiest things is if you, if you can treat a person like an adult and they don't use and abuse it, then if they can produce them, why, why yeah. not? Yeah. Uh, but it's a fine line. It's a fine line. No, that's a, that's a great point. And I, to, your, to your point about how you start your days, I think, I think even office workers, I, I mean, I'm up at five or five fifteen every morning. I'm, I think you're right. It's, it's coffee and emails. And even before I go in, I think the benefit for, you know, if, if there's been a benefit to me and I think to many, it's, I don't feel the need to be in the office by at my desk at eight o'clock, particularly if I've started with 90 minutes of emailing at home. So I may, and I, you know, it, and if I know I'm staying late for West coast, uh, support, um, you know, I've got people that are in the office at six 30 in the morning and, and some of them are leaving at three and, we're, we're, we're nowhere near the, it used to be, we're open from eight 30 to five and everybody needs to, you know, it's, that's, it's just a different world, but, um, you know, you, well, and you, one thing I would point out too, is, is not to, you know, I guess more to shed you're, you're the owner. I think maybe this is a generational thing for me. And I remember whenever I would come in, if I showed up a minute late, so if I was a minute past 8 a.m., I would get these looks of everyone in the office. And there was this culture. And now it was a very specific culture. I know. I know that look. I know that look. <laughs> and and, and um, as a young professional, I think coming in, I, if I'm late oh, well, or what if what if I show up, you know, what if I get caught in traffic? It's this um, like anxiety inducing. Well, what, kind of the same thing. Well, what if they think I'm not doing something um, or or what if they think I'm I'm late for because I stopped to get coffee when really, you know, my kid was having a hard time getting the shoes on and getting in the car. You know, there's there's all those things where I think as an employee, especially as a as a starting employee, as a young professional, those pressures can build and and that's you know, it comes to a culture thing, obviously, but you know, and I remember I would get my work done at two and I would be standing there and I had to stay until five. And I, I go, okay, well, what am I? What am I supposed to do? And you couldn't leave if you were done. You couldn't show up late for any reason. It was just a different type of pressure, I think, as a young professional that I'm glad that I don't have to, you know, That's a great have point. to These are go great points. That. No, great. Yeah. I, I, you, I love, you said something earlier. Recognizing, so leadership has to recognize the remote contributors, right? And, and, so I, I physically saw you breathe easier when you said, so when they say, we know what you're doing, we see what you're doing, we appreciate what you're doing. And, and because, you know, you take for granted, the human condition needs some feedback. And 
So all that yeah. stress you're feeling and everything you're doing, you, somebody needs to tell you, um, uh, hey, you're doing a good job, right? And yeah. so can I ask you, so I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about anybody I have that is on a flex schedule or um, or we've, we've made concessions for on, on remote. Do you, do you think owners or business leaders really have an obligation now to, cause I'm struggling with, and I, I, I actually believe this. Do we have, do I have an obligation to create a workplace that people want to come to, right? That I, so you may, you may work remote or we may have an arrangement with some remote people, but you know, if you're a mom and you've got kids at home, you know, I want you to want to get out of the office for a day and come in and, and, you know, maybe just, you know, be able to plug into the the professionalism of an office. And yet it's not a, you know, it's not a cubicle farm, it, but it's, I think about um, how do we make this an enjoyable place to work and that's better lounges or, or more, more flexible workspaces. Um, it's not sitting behind your desk and doing this. It's, um, I don't know. I just, I'm trying to figure out again, there should be a culture and I want, I want the people to work remotely to want to be a part of it. And that includes, you can fly in anytime you want. My people know East coast and West coast. If you want to just come and work out of the other office, then do it. You don't need permission. Um, just book the flight and you know, we, we, we'll put you up. I think it, more so from what I would say is, do you have an obligation to create that culture? Absolutely. But I wouldn't say that it has to be in a physical space. I don't think okay. creating a place that where, when you say I want it to be a place where people want to work, to me, what I think of is who are the people that I'm working with? What type of environment do they call me to say, hey, how was your day? Um, you know, it's not necessary. I wouldn't define it in a physical space where if I, oh, if I bring, if I cater lunch once a week, or if I allow dogs in the office, to be honest, I don't think people, especially millennials, like they don't, they, it's a great perk, but they don't really care about that. What I care about is, do I want to work for this company? And how are they, how do they make me feel? And then I want to, whether it's going into an office or whether it's doing that, you know, you build that, um, loyalty or commitment and and drive to do better for the company by those relationships and by that culture that's not defined in an office that's a great yeah. takeaway you have one or culture not. so culture is not about the physical location at all i don't it, so. you're right it's about the it's about the connectivity with the people it's the you know you yeah. want to feel you want to you want to be in the foxhole together and and you can do that without all being in the same place right because you count on yeah. each other at those events that we're all delivering. I don't think people go to an office just, I mean, obviously sometimes there are moments where you really do want to go to the office or you need to for certain things, but I would say as an overarching sort of opinion in my, from my standpoint, I don't want to go into an office to go to an office to work. I want to go to the office to talk to my coworkers, to catch up with them, to, you know, learn something new from someone who's there that I never, you know, I don't get a chance to sit with, or those are the reasons why I want to go to the office. I don't really want to go because I'm going to get free lunch and ice creams on Fridays. You know, that's for me, that's, it's not really a thing. And I think that's a huge shift back to the generational thing. I think a lot of millennials and Jen 
years, it's the same thing. It's what is this adding to my life? And if I go into the office, what does that mean for me? And why do I want to go there? Well, it's for the people that I work for. There's a millennial 10 years ago that yelled at me and he goes, you know, great culture is more than just free Panera, man. And I was like, yeah, you're right. right. (laughs) Well, I think if you look at the companies that kind of led the charge with foosball tables and nap pods and cafeterias and all that stuff, it was a lot of the tech companies uh, like Google, for example. And they do that because they want you to live at the office. They want you to put in 120 hour weeks and have no reason to go home. And if that's what you're the lifestyle you're going for, that's great. But it does say a lot about your culture. I think one thing that you mentioned earlier, Noel, about having, you know, all of your work done at 2 p.m. and having to sit in the office or coming in late and getting weird looks, that says a lot about your culture and that maybe, you know, your tool of measuring productivity by the amount of time someone spends inside an office is really a vanity metric. It's not something that is actually meaningful. It's not a metric that matters. And a metric that matters is actually maybe your output, your contribution to the bottom line, but even to just the uh, camaraderie on the team and the movement of work through the office and through the pipeline, things like that. So I think if a, if a business owner or a, a business leader is measuring productivity by time in an office that they maybe have that metric wrong in the same vein, yeah. I think if you don't have a metric to measure your remote employees, like now, Noel, you've moved into more of a, uh, you know, operations production role, your metric has, your measurement has probably changed on what people are measuring you on before it was sale or sales in some capacity. Also just, you know, inside sales with existing clients and making sure things are moving well, that's fairly measurable. But as you go into the operations, that measurement's going to have to change a little bit from a remote perspective, but they need to be measuring, need to have something to measure you on or measure their remote employees on. And if they don't, then they're always going to feel a sense of, man, they're not in the office and what are they really doing? So I think that's what's key as the, the owner or the leader of your business is understanding what really matters and having that, that metric to measure. Yeah, I think also communicating that too, obviously, to the employees that are remote. Because um, on the other side of things, which I don't even think we've really touched on is, I, I, will not, I have a really hard time shutting work off. So I think that's one of the things about we're work, working remote that, um, whether it be, you know, owners or managers or even just other colleagues that they don't really understand or recognize is I have a really hard time shutting things off. I wake up, I check my emails. I'm doing emails, you know, say I'm making dinner at eight o'clock. Chris and I were just talking about this before we started and, and an email comes through. So I'll just run over to my computer. And then before you know it, it's 11 PM and I'm still working. That's, I think, really sort of difficult to manage. That, that's my biggest, um, mm-hmm. challenge that I have. And I think it's something that the general idea of someone working remote or like, I guess, an old school way to think about it is, well, what are they really doing? Like you said, there's the productivity of a remote worker is what, three and a half hours. To me, I'm like, that is ridiculous. And I think you also like it comes back to maybe Chris, you're saying the obligation or the managers to really enable um, their remote employees to to know that it's okay to shut things down, to to know that and that kind of feeds back into the culture you know i i want to work for someone who's going to say hey you know you have a day off why are you why are you emailing right now like get off your email i got this some things like that where you kind of have to see that it's not all rainbows and sunshine and i'm gallivanting around and doing laundry and then hardly answering calls you know that that's not a reality for most of i'd say the people that 
are successful yeah. working That's remote. Great, it's almost the point. opposite. You know what? And so we, we spend a lot of time internally now talking about what do we need to do as a company to, to be better resourced to support any of our people that work remotely? Because, it you know, back in the you asked about back in the day, Khalil, you were an afterthought. If you if you needed something, it was on you to go get it. And that's just not a success formula anymore. I mean, really, what are we does it does it require a, a, a dedicated support person, almost an expediter? to get you what you need or um, I don't know, but I, but we, we talk about this a lot for, mm. and, and again, for, we don't really call people, we have a lot of field operators that are traveling and they're out there with events and, you know, so, and Noel knows what I'm talking about. This isn't a administrative person doing accounting, you know, in, you know, a thousand miles away. This is in a lot of ways, our industry's got, you know, we have part-time remote workers all the time when we get individuals that, go somewhere for a four day move in and stay for a three day event and stay for the two day move out. And they're, you know, they're gone for 10 days, but, um, yeah. I, what, we, what, so Noel, what would you say now that you've got this experience and you know what it takes and you said some people are, are, are it's in their DNA, others not, are there, can, can this be learned to be successful? And what advice would you give? Let's say Sherry wants to go to from a, I say Sherry because she's a she's a colleague of Noel's who's you know Noel <laughs> Noel when we're traveling will she has a Sherry alter ego and so there's Sherry with that strong Boston accent and that the can do will do take no prisoners attitude but if she were going to become a remote worker and not at the the mothership I mean what advice would you give her about how to be well, successful at it well, Sherry is the best example. She is fantastic remote, so we can't use her. But okay. I mean, I think I, I can it be learned. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's not like a skill set that you can acquire. It's not like, um, I don't know, like a sport that you can practice and you get better at it. it. I think all it really comes down to is drive. It is. Are you like, are you willing to put in the time? Are you willing to shut off your distractions or, or whatnot? How seriously are you taking your career? And I think a lot of people who are just starting in their career is, I think, a, a very good um, sort of pusher to let people have that drive. Because for me, I don't care where I'm at, what I'm doing. I could be on the beach in Hawaii and I'm still going to be working because that's what I you know, want to do with my career. I think it's just a, a mindset and you have to flip it on. And then if you are in go mode, you know, that's you can you can do anything if that's your mentality. Um, I think it does. You know, obviously, if you're going from only office to fully remote, there are things obviously that you can practice and get better at. But it's I don't think it's uh, it's something that you just all of a sudden can't just turn it on and say, "Yep, I'm going to take the I'm going to do make the decision to do this." So, Feder, say you got to be passionate about what you've chosen to do. If you're doing it just for the paycheck, it's I could imagine it's just very, it's a very disruptive lifestyle yeah. if you don't love what you're doing. Yeah. If I'm, if I'm, so there was, I forget who sold it to me years ago, but um, I think it was actually our owner, Bill Nixon. He was saying there in every company, there are the nine to fivers and, and it is what it is. And those people come in, they clock in from nine, they clock out at five, they do their work, they go home, they shut it off and that's it. And then there are the people that, I, I don't know the, the term, but it was, you know, people who are going to go that extra mile, who are 
either in the office earlier, they're doing something outside of the office or, or whatnot. And they, the drivers, I guess, are the ones that yeah, a company can't survive without both, I think. You've got to have people who are oh, com coming in, just clocking in, doing the work. And those typically are the people that the job is a paycheck and that's okay. And then they're, you're going to have other people, hopefully, that it's not just, I'm not just doing this for a paycheck. Like, I'm really passionate about what I do and, and that shows in how I work. And I think it's it would be very difficult for the nine to fivers to work remotely, possibly, just because there might be other things that oh, I'm really passionate about. You know, the Rockies are playing a baseball game. I really want to go to that game. It's a lot more tempting versus someone that is fully immersed in their career that I'm like, I want to do whatever I can. It's a lot easier to shut out any other distractions. So, have, have you have you gotten to a place where you can give yourself? permission to go shopping on a Tuesday afternoon or to catch the Rockies game because of the effort that you put in weekends, evenings, early mornings, it's, all of that. That to me is more of a learned thing. I'm really working on that. It is. And, um, yeah. I, I do work very, very hard. Like a lot of people in our industry. Um, I don't have normal hours. I work on weekends. I'll travel for two weeks straight and giving myself the opportunity to just breathe um like you, you were actually mentioning we're kind of going into that summer not lull but it, it feels like i was saying earlier to a colleague it feels like a pre-pandemic july notoriously for us july was yeah, always yeah. fairly fairly slow to the point yeah. when i first started i was like i'm gonna get fired i don't have anything to do and i remember someone at that point had told me take like take this and enjoy it because it helps balance out the aprils and the octobers and the, the time where you're barely on on the verge of burnout. So for me, I've had to allow myself to, to breathe. And and if I need it, so like say I just flew back um, on Friday. Actually, I did. I flew back on Friday and um, I was here in the morning and I, I realized I didn't have any groceries. I have zero food. I could go home and start working or is the world going to end if I, I just got done doing 10 days straight? Is the world going to end for an hour if I go get food for myself? No. And that sounds ridiculous, but that is one of the things that, you know, that's yeah. where I have to learn is I have to learn that balance of it's okay to, you you know, just because it's a Tuesday and you just traveled for 10 days straight and worked 20 hour days that it's okay to do some things that you need to do for yourself. I think it's you, the mental and physical and, and I think emotional state of remote employees has to be focused on a lot more, I think. Because yeah. I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself. I, how am I feeling mentally? And that sort of plays into, you know, my managers are, they, when they call me, they say, hey, how are you doing? And I'll, I'll start going through projects. And they're like, no, 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 no. How are you? Um, those are things that I think are very important for remote employees because it's very easy to either become extremely robotic with, I'm just going to work, 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 work. And I can't turn it off. And I, I don't know how to function without it to the the opposite side where oh well i don't need to do anything like it's fine so it i think there's a fine line that you have to really hone in on did, noelle did you have that same sentiment and feeling about your work before the pandemic when you were remote or was that more of a byproduct of the pandemic you think i've honestly i think i think i was worse before the pandemic to to a certain extent okay I, I really, uh, and I was young and I really wanted to, like I was saying, make a career. So I dove in head first. Um, I told my team, send me anywhere, everywhere. 
Um, and the account mm -hmm. that I was managing was a very large one that had a lot of issues that I just didn't even know because I didn't know any better. Um, and I felt this personal responsibility to take on everything and fix it and make it better. And so for me, I honestly, I worked, you know, crazy and I traveled, I was traveling, I think 80% of the year at one point, like it was, it was wild. Now, after the pan, during the pandemic, I felt that same drive, but more so out of a personal, I need to keep my job versus I really want to grow my career. Right. And I think after the pandemic, I've been really lucky that I've kind of seen both of those realms. And I'm, I think I'm finally starting to find that middle ground of I'm still very driven. I'm still, you know, I still want to do the best and everything. And I always want to learn, but I am a human being too. I think the, the pandemic almost took it to a point that was a brink of, of I was almost, I was breaking. Chris saw it many times. No, I it was, it, I mean, it, it was, was an extraordinary. It was really extraordinary. And I want to take a minute and talk about, because, I, I, you know, you you do such a, you're so involved in volunteer work. I see it from the industry. But um, so, you know, we talk about health and, and, and mental wellness. So, Khalil, the Texas chapter, and really it was, it, Noel was right out front leading this. We were all feeling that breaking point. And you, you could just see the collective psyche of an industry, what we were going through. And the Texas chapter really was the pioneer creating um, what turned into a series of health and wellness um, Zoom calls. And I mean, we're not talking about, you know, 10 or 15 people from the chapter. We're talking about 50, 60 people and lots of replay on that. And it was Noel that marshaled the experts to come in and talk to us. And there were some honest, very candid confessions about what people were feeling and I mean, some of these were very, you know, deeply troubled emotional feelings. And and what I love is that um, not only did that become sort of a flagship issue for the Texas chapter, which was one of the things that ultimately earned them a chapter of the year recognition at the at the annual conference. Um, it continued after. So even as our industries come back, this is not an issue that Noel and the Texas group has has let go. We're not, we're not maybe doing the wellness checks on each other like we were doing every week back then. This is, this is just a recognition that we're in a stressful industry. I read an article a few, you know, this is a few. I think this was even before pandemic that said we have the fifth most stressful job event managers behind police officers. We're we're the guys right behind the people that get shot at. Is how stressful our jobs are. And I thought, okay, well, that's that's worth checking in on people, right? And so, anyway, I just so how do you find with with all of the um, my takeaway listening to you is um, I don't want to hear anybody badmouth remote workers ever again because you you know you you reminding me of all the things that I remember I had to do that nobody recognized I had to do just to do my job, and so how do you um, how do you find the time to do other stuff. And the other thing I was going to ask is, do, do, do you find interpersonal relationships suffer because of this? It could be friendships, it could be romance, it could be family. But, you know, this style of work that you're doing, is it disruptive in all those other ways in your life? Yeah. Um, so the first question, so how I find time to do things is, it, 
It sounds silly, but I almost have to force myself sometimes um, and realize, you know, like, oh, I need to go get groceries. Like, oh, I really need to go. Sometimes I'll, I'll be working and all of a sudden I'm like, why am I so irritable? And I'll go, oh, I haven't seen sunlight or breathed fresh air in three days. Like, that's not those are things, you know, where you just have to at the end of the day. And I notice, you know, if I if I'm working really long hours that, you know, it's easy for me to sacrifice my sleep. I have to. Um, so it's more so I, I think I've just learned as I've gotten older and, and more into my career of how to take care of myself and what I need. Um, and I just make sure that I, I have to do it because I know that I'm not going to have any the same output or same productivity if I don't. Um, so that's kind of my, a drive where it's like, you know, tomorrow you're not going to be 100% if you don't do this, this and this. Um, so it's just sort of recognizing that. And yeah, the interpersonal relationships, that's been a struggle, a very a full honesty. It's been a very big struggle of friendships, romantic relationships. I, I remember I was saying, you know, it's, it's really hard to maintain a relationship when you're in this industry because it's hard to explain like the hours and how much you work. It's really difficult. Um, and so I think it just takes a little bit extra focus and, and energy to, you know, sort of help that, but also make sure that I'm surrounding people who understand what I do. You know, my friend, my friends, I was um, doing, I had a bunch of traveling and then I had a show going in and then I was in, in the middle of moving and my friends would text me and they said, Hey, I just want to like, are you alive? It's just doing a wellness check. And, and there's a lot of, you know, sort of sarcasm in that, but my friends will say, you know, you, you haven't been out or I, we haven't seen you in two weeks. You can take an hour tomorrow and we're going to dinner. And, and sometimes I, I, we did that right before I went through this crazy stint too. And I said, you know, my friend said, oh, I'm busy. I can't, I'm working. And I said, we can take an hour. We can take an yeah. hour. It's okay. Yeah. So it's hard. It's just learning how to, how to make it all work, which is what we all do anyways. Just make, yeah. yeah. No, give yourself permission, right? You, you're, <laughs> and you, I know you know this in your head, right? And, and I've heard you teach it on a lot of the wellness seminars, right? You've got to, you've got to, um, I forget where I was. I forget what I was going through. But you and I ran into each other at an event. And I just, I don't even know what I was feeling. But you came up and you just had this concerned look when you approached me. And you're like, are you, what, you know, what do you feel? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And you saw something because you, I was like, oh my God, is this an intervention? Is this what an intervention feels like? And, but you know what? It's great to have friends that recognize that and can call you out and go, you know what? You can take an hour and come have a drink and a meal, right? Yeah. Let's do that. Yeah. So and I think it's, I mean, to just, I guess, tie it back all in together. It's, it's so important, I think, for remote employees to, to have the support from their colleagues and from their managers that reach out to them, but also to reach out back. You know, it's, I kind of, it's, it's just like a relationship. It's a two-way street. You know, I've got to, when I need help or when I'm, you know, Hey, I, I need to go take some time to go do this. I have to be able to communicate that. And, the managers and, and, you know, the other colleagues need to also have that too. Cause it's easy to get lost in the shuffle when you're not there. It's easy to, for my Absolutely. friends to, I go, Oh, I haven't seen my friends in two weeks. Like, wow. I mean, think about that with my coworkers, you know, when was the last time you called a remote employee and said, Hey, you know, how are you doing? Um, that's one of the things I always try and say, cause it, you do feel a little lost sometimes. So, you know what Khalil is, I think about how do we wrap up and summarize here? I'm sitting here realizing most people think of, you know, anybody that gets to work remote has this privileged, you know, um, 
easier version of the day job. And I hope the takeaway today, anybody listening, was that it's absolutely just not the case. I'm reminded of that from my time working um, remotely in a satellite. I'm absolutely reminded of it listening to Noel. If there are, if there's one benefit, and by the way, if a benefit used to be I'm going, I'm going shopping on a Tuesday afternoon, it's not a benefit if it's because you've been locked away for ten days, you know, totally immersed in an event, right? So, so this has been a great perspective check. Um, I think the cons outweighs yeah. the pros. I think if you're an owner and a and a business leader, um, and you've got people that are working remotely and you obviously have kept them, then you know the value that they bring. And today, maybe you were reminded of all the things they have to do to bring and deliver those results. And so there's your takeaway. I hope you might have heard something from an owner's perspective of, we have a responsibility to look out for these people and create an incentive yeah. to bring them in to um, get some face time with their coworkers or go out to see them. I loved your suggestion, Noel, of just to have coworkers call and say, how's your day going? Or to check in on you or those little quiet courtesies or those routines. Um, those are huge. I think recognition of the personal sacrifices that you make in your, um, I didn't even mention sleep patterns, right? Cause we know that's gotta be a, <laughs> but in your, in your, in your interpersonal relationships, in, um, in the routine that you, you, you live each day that, doesn't allow you to maybe feel like you have the energy to go to the gym at five o'clock because you're in the middle of something else or, you know, you go, oh, we'll just go for a walk. It's just, it's harder to do the things when this is the, the, your, the style of professional life that you've chosen. And I don't know if everybody chooses it. Some people just end up in that situation, but um, I'm really super grateful for you sharing everything you share because it's, I think it's been a great big wake up call when I, I got, this was more than what I thought it was going to be. When I thought about young, remote and successful, you were clearly all those things, but, um, but you, you also are, um, you're making a tremendous, uh, I'll, I'll be kind and I'll say a tremendous investment with what you're doing it really is a sacrifice. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm grateful to will work, uh, global event service for his, by the way, I, I called your owner and I said, Hey, is it okay? If I and Bill Nick and Bill Nixon said, I love you for asking, but she's the perfect person to have this conversation yeah. with. And uh, so um, I had always envisioned a part two of this where I'm going to talk to somebody in the main office and go, what's it like managing somebody? And I'm mm -hmm. sure it'll probably be on the, uh, you know, the Noel testimonial reel that that shows up because I'll say good things. So what else Khalil, am I forgetting that uh, that we, we should mention? No, I think you, I think you've summed it up pretty nicely. Um, Noel, it's been a pleasure having you on. And I think that, uh, you know, you've maybe helped shape the perspective of some people out there that previously thought of remote workers as taking advantage of the system. Um, I think anybody listening, hearing you speak and hearing about the work that you do would be thrilled to have you as a remote employee. And I think it just goes to show that, uh, you know, you don't necessarily hire people just because they can make it in the office. You make it, you hire people because of the value that they bring to your organization. And if they can do that in the office or at home, it doesn't matter. Uh, so make sure that you're hiring for values and you're, you're finding the right people, not just people that are a heartbeat. 
<laughs> and can show up to the to the office. So thank um, you guys for the kind words, yeah. but I'm not doing anything revolutionary. There are plenty of people out there that are just like me and have that drive. So you're yeah, right. Dale. I think it's just you gotta identify them and then and then kind of you know see what they contribute. But I appreciate all the kind yeah. words. Yeah. Charter sure. Charter well, Safety Meeting member from this day forward, young lady. Just <laughs> oh my anytime, god, now I, now I know I've made it. That's anytime any city <laughs> will will I'll teach you the secret handshake next time I see you. <laughs> Perfect. Great. Thanks for joining us. Well thank you. Thank you, thank both. you guys yeah, so much. See you. Thanks for listening to the Experience Builders Podcast. Check out our website in the show notes or visit crewxp.com to learn more.